0: It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe D'Armond.
1: Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe D'Armond and Brian Austin here. It is NFL Draft, not only NFL Draft week, NFL Draft night. And so we are going to talk NFL Draft with Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports, who is in Philly and I'm pretty sure only took the time to talk to us on draft day because of the number of Mizzou basketball recruiting DMs I have answered in the last few weeks.
0: This is uh, this is the, the tax that I had to pay for me being like, all right, tell me what's going on, what is happening here. So uh, I, I appreciate I was able to, uh, to to get even with you here.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. So um, the first question that – and we'll get to some of the, the top of the first round stuff and all that, but – the first question that all Missouri fans want to know, where's Charles Harris going to go? And I've seen you have him as a guy that's really risen in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you guys, you know, I'd love to hear your take on, on sort of what's happened because, you know, Gabe, you and I were talking early in the season and kind of wondering what's going on. You know, he wasn't playing uh, up to the level that was expected. Obviously, some head headbutting maybe with the coaching staff as well and uh, some scheme questions about if he was being used effectively – couple of flash moments, maybe it was the Georgia game and a few others, but you know, the LSU game didn't look great. A few other spots where you thought, wow, you know, this is not the the Harris we expected. Strong finish, not a great combine. I think a better pro day. So kind of this roller coaster of sorts. And yet, as you pointed out, I think his name is kind of as hot as anybody right now that, that maybe I didn't fully expect at this point. So. It's going to be fascinating. I think he will not make it past the Ravens pick at 16. That's my wow. gut feeling. And the absolute floor, I mean god forbid that the Colts and Ravens at 15 and 16 pass on him. I think the the real floor for him would be Dallas at 28. I just I don't think there's any way he's getting out of the first round tonight.
1: Yeah, Dallas is is the place I've seen most. So you mentioned Baltimore, um the name that immediately comes to mind in that scheme
0: is Terrell Suggs. Is
1: that a fair yeah. comparison?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a great thing to compare. Obviously, Ozzie Newsom has been there forever. He was the one who picked Suggs with the 10th pick uh, back in, God, whatever year that was. And uh, You guys remember, I mean, Suggs was at one point considered a possible number one overall pick, and he runs like a 4-9 out at Arizona State, and everybody goes, oh, we're off that guy. I mean, there's some similarities, right, with Harris in terms of, you see it, you see the guy getting after quarterbacks just like Suggs did in college, but the athletic testing kind of made people go back to the tape a little bit. So there was that, that question of, um, you know, would it translate in the NFL for Suggs? Clearly it has. He's been a, a terrific player for more than a decade. You know, with Harris, I think it, I think that's exactly what scouts did. They were happy that he did test a little better at the pro day that, you know, that put him more in the average to above average athlete category Uh, And then you saw those flashes where you thought, he's still learning the game and he could get a lot better. So there is a feeling that that this is an ascending player, I think.
2: Eric, where did you kind of see maybe Harris projecting long-term over an NFL career? Is he an all-pro type player and regular NFL starter, situational pass rusher? What what do you kind of project for him?
0: Yeah, I think think eventually he'll be a three-down player and a – you know, kind of an open-end rusher. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been told that people feel comfortable enough projecting him into a, a 3-4 scheme where he'd be a, a stand-up type, like Suggs has played, you know, where he's, he's sort of stalking over the line. You know, you can kind of bounce him from gap to gap, but, but traditionally going to be a, a stand-up rusher. Or as a 4-3 guy with his hand in the dirt, you know, you think about, let's just say, the Cowboys system. Rod Marinelli, you know, four-man front, Tampa 2 defense, You know they they love those Simeon Rice-like rushers, and I think Harris has some of those type of qualities. Not as electric, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he projects to being an above-average to very good uh, pass rusher in this league. And and there are still those questions about consistency and development. But um, you know, I mean, everything seems to be kind of pointing the right way. Can he can he add a little bulk and maintain it? That's, I guess, one concern that some people have. You know, his. His flexibility and his shuttle drill suggested that that maybe he's not as athletic as some people think he is, though. So there, you know, there's he's not a perfect player by any means, and there's still some doubt, I guess.
2: The protest that happened two seasons ago, Harris was involved in that on campus. Is is that something that NFL teams are, are probably talking with him about, wanting to know about it, concerned about it all?
0: I think it was mainly, you know, it seems like that was about nine years ago. It's funny, you know, and, and I and I don't think it has come up a lot. I'm sure people have asked him about it, you know, asked him what his role was on campus, in the locker room, as a leader trying to hold the team together, that sort of thing. Those are, you know, what's amazing when you, when you talk to NFL scouts is they know everything that these guys have been involved with back to high school, you know, and, and they'll know everything about Charles Harris, the basketball player. And, and, you know, they'll know about what he was like in the locker room and, you know, and some questions about that. Was he a leader? Was he a, uh, a me first guy? Was he a team guy? Those questions are coming up. And, um, you know, I think people are relatively comfortable with those things in the NFL. I don't think the, uh, the, you know, the, the stuff that happened on campus is going to affect his draft stock, but it's part of that deep background that, that scouts do. And, you know, it's part of the information gathering process and, and they have so many opportunities to ask these guys throughout the process and they'll put it all in a file and, and ultimately it's you know, it's gonna be down the list as far as major concerns or, or or issues for any team that might draft them.
1: Yeah, the only question I have about Charles Harris, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not, but um you mentioned it earlier last season. Hey, make no mistake, um he was publicly questioning the scheme. Um, the rest of the defensive linemen followed suit. He's not going to get to choose what scheme he pick, he plays in the NFL. I- I'm sure that's something that's been asked about. But uh, Charles Harris, the football player, is a good football player. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. So I'm going to leave the-, the rest of this open-ended for you. Do we hear at any point in the next six rounds any other Missouri guys called?
0: That's a good question. Um, you know, I guess there's been a tiny bit of buzz around Josh Augusta in terms of him losing weight and, you know, maybe people kind of revisiting some of the little flashes he had in college and thinking, boy, if, if we got him in a good health program and, and you know, assumed he was a, 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 a redshirt almost, would somebody maybe take a seventh-round flyer on him? Yeah, I could see it. You know, teams like the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs and a few other teams that really favor, you know, that, that size, foot quickness, combination that you just can't teach yeah they could I could see them doing it they're deep teams they could take risks in that part of the draft and not worry about you know other teams poaching those players kind of stash them on the practice squad so maybe Arian Penton uh, you guys know he's 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 played some good football small but that's and and a deep deep quarterback class that's the worry you know he might just kind of get lost in the shuffle there's so many good corners this year
1: yeah, Sean Colkin is is a potential late round guy. Maybe yep. Donovan Newsom, uh, probably not Mike Shearer coming off the knee injury. But want to move off Missouri just to kind of the the overall draft because it, it is obviously a, a phenomenon. People, I think it's the the most popular day of the NFL season, maybe. So you're there in Philly to cover it, and I, what I love about it is we have no idea what's really going to happen. I mean, we <laughs> go into this. Do we know who the
0: number one pick is going to be? uh well let's say this I- i'm less sure of what i thought 48 hours ago i, I you know i came into the monday tuesday with a you know a few conversations feeling like okay it's going to be garrett yes maybe there was some discussion you know the browns had indicated that they had this pick locked in for two weeks I- i'll say this i, I traded traded texas some folks on the west coast uh, who you know woke up to this garrett it's not even news but the the chatter that uh, that possibly Trubisky could be the number one pick, and that they could pass on Miles Garrett. Not everybody's buying it, and uh, you're right. It is fascinating. I'll, I'll head over to the the theater today, probably not knowing for certain, you know, that that Miles Garrett's going to be number one. I'm not getting a tattoo with his name and, and the Browns <laughs> next to it. I, you know, it, so it, do
1: you think think have it's, any number uh, one NBCN draft picks names on you?
0: for ratings? I don't know.
1: It, do you have any number one draft picks names tattooed on you from past drafts?
0: I do. I have Andre Bruce from 1988 with the Falcons. I learned my lesson at an early age. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh,
2: just looking at this class as a whole, I mean, how would you rate it? Is this um, comparing it to other years, a pretty deep class? Uh, NFL scouts and general managers, they they like what they're seeing out of this year's crop?
0: Yes and no. Yeah. On the one hand, I think certain positions are just loaded. Now, you start with the quarterbacks always, because that's what we do, and it's the most important position on the field. And And you have this top I think, or, or maybe top two. I don't know, but uh, Trubisky, one-year starter. Boy, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson, three-year starter, exceptional production, but maybe not seen as having the higher ceiling of the two. I don't know. Um, Patrick Mahomes, the ultimate wild card. He he has some Brett Favre-like qualities. He also has some some Joey Harrington-like qualities. You got to figure out what he's going to be. Um, you know, Deshaun Kaiser could end up being the fourth quarterback taken. And yet I like them a lot if you're willing to be patient with them. I think these are all players who would, who would serve well from, from having a, a redshirt year, so to speak. Now, the rest of the group, I think it's exceptionally deep. I mean, I'm talking about one of the best classes in the last decade in the secondary. S- safety, cornerback, you name it. Nickel, outside, inside, size, quickness. I mean, the, there's a variety of, of DBs. Tight end, one of the best groups we've seen in recent years. Very strong there. Running back seems very good. A lot of twos and threes at receiver, good, not great. Um, offensive line, less great. Defensive tackle, less great. Edge rusher, good. I think it's a good class, not a not a generational class. So it depends on the position. I think overall it's going to be a nice draft that, that gives depth into day four. I don't think this is going to be one of the great all-time drafts. It'll be a good one.
1: All right, now you, you brought up the quarterbacks, so I, I want you to tell me is this smoke, Is are these smoke screens that people don't like Deshaun Watson that much? Are they trying to poke holes in a kid? I watched a kid, he played in two national title games against the best defense I've maybe ever seen in college. They were his yeah. best games. I am on my knees the rest of the day praying 26 teams pass on this guy <laughs> and Andy Reid doesn't. What, what am I missing that this kid isn't the best quarterback in this class?
0: A lot of it is nitpicky, right? I mean, they say, oh, his arm velocity isn't that great. Well, he got the ball there for the most part. You know, Alabama's
1: secondary was good, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. You you know, three first round picks in there or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I, you know he is kind of a touch passer. The guy that I've consistently compared him to, and I, you guys may cringe slightly, but is Alex Smith. Damn it, I knew and you and were going to say that. <laughs> I know it. I know. I didn't want to make anyone angry today. It is draft day. Let's be happy. I but, do
1: want to give you credit though for the first ever black quarterback compared to a white quarterback. That's you know and he, that's soft. And that's the
0: only reason I did it. No, no. <laughs> when, when you get the opportunity to do it, you've got to strike when you when the iron is hot. No, but I. He, he is a, a cerebral, smart, heady quarterback with great touch, great feel for the passing game. You know, Alex has his limitations. He's also probably better than, than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. That's, I think, what teams fear. is like, hey, you know, he may never be truly special. He's never going to be Aaron Rodgers. And I, and I feel pretty good about saying that. I don't think he'll ever be that great. I think he'll be very good, though. And, and I, I had him pretty high in my rankings. I put him and Trubisky back-to-back. Knowing that Trubisky's ceiling may be higher, but but Watson's floor is definitely higher. I to me. I just like you said, the experience, the quick trigger, you know, he, he handles himself under dress exceptionally well. Watch the fourth quarter of the Louisville game, the Alabama game, the FSU game. Yeah, the pit game was bad, a few others along the way. He had seventeen picks. You know what he kind of reminds me of in a way? Matt Ryan. He carried his team. Matt Ryan carried his team in college, Deshaun Watson had a lot of talent but he was the guy who made it all work.
2: Well, and I know you're focused on this draft coming up, but do you know much about the players out in Missouri's going forward like Drew Locke, Jamal of those guys, anybody like that maybe looking at draft down the road?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously some some intrigue with Drew Locke and you, have, you you know, there's always people who say, "Boy, you know, he was that elite 11 guy and, you know, th- this is somebody who could be very good, but You know, the consistency hasn't been there. He's played in a couple of different schemes. We just don't know at this point. Um, You know, he is the type of player, though, if he has that big breakout year. You know, he's smart. He's got enough uh, height and athletic skill and all that sort of stuff. that, That, man, could he go from sort of disappointing? I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, a little bit underwhelming in some respects to an underclassman who comes out? Possibly. You know, we've seen that kind of a, ascension before, so it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Um, you know, beyond those guys, I mean, I don't think there's there's somebody that's just absolutely burning up. I have to think about it a little bit. Beckner, I mean, maybe? I've always, I'm sorry, who?
1: Terry Beckner?
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, talent-wise, right. Obviously, we're talking about an elite player there, and then, you know, you start thinking about some of the more athletic guys out there Who, who uh, who's the safety, who's just starting to feel the position out a little bit. I'm blanking on his name. Exactly.
1: Could be Ronnie Perkins, could be
0: Cam Hilton. I don't know. They've got a bunch yeah, of Cam them. None Hilton. of them have really done yeah. a lot. I had a, right. I had an NFL scout say, boy, I don't know what this Cam Hilton kid is, but he's something. You know what I mean? And yeah. he watched him and said, you see the burst. You know, you see he's still trying to feel things out. So, you know, this year will tell a lot. I don't think we have any idea right now. But Beckner, right, if he's healthy, if he comes out and plays, he could have that, you know, that Sheldon Richardson-like ascension or whatever. So I think those are the two big names right there. I don't know much beyond that. Tyler Howe, the
2: left tackle, the 6'8", 3'10", guy. I don't know. Who he... was that? Tyler Howe, he's the left tackle. Oh, right. And, and, and the other name that
0: I heard mentioned one time, I talked to a guy who went through there last year, um, the young tight end. I know he only played, you know, limited snaps. But, yeah, Blanton, the size, the height, the athleticism, mm. I mean – another player that you're doing a lot of projecting on, but you think, my goodness, if he could put it all together, that could be something, you know, kind of special right there. All right,
1: Eric, we'll finish you up with with just a couple last ones. Every draft has like a point when we're sitting here watching this for nine and a half hours tonight has that, okay, the draft really starts now. Like this pick determines everything else that happens. And maybe it's number one tonight because we don't, but but (laughs) where's that pick that you're looking at and say, once that one happens, that determines the rest of the draft.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. A couple of days ago, I would have thought it would have been San Francisco at two. Now it could be one. You know, I, I still don't know what the Bears are doing at three. So I think there are a few spots. I'll throw one out there that that that, that may surprise the people. The Jets could take Fournette at, at six. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like maybe the Jaguars don't take Fournette. So let's say that the Jaguars and Jets pass on Fournette. He may also get passed up by Christian McCaffrey at number eight. It wouldn't stun me. And so that's going to create a really interesting thing. I mean, maybe the Bengals quickly snap him up at nine, but I almost feel like the second wave of the draft is going to start at number eight, um, depending on how many quarterbacks go high and all that. But, you know, the the eighth pick with the Carolina Panthers is going to be really fascinating because if they add Fournette, now they're this power offense with Cam Newton. Who's going to want to tackle Fournette or Newton? Or – they take McCaffrey and he becomes a completely different weapon than they've had. They put him out in the slot. He's a reliable receiver, all that stuff. That one pick could totally change the direction of the Cam Newton offense for the next three to five years. So, to me, that's a big spot right there.
1: All right, last thing, uh, your story from yesterday. I, I have it bookmarked. Haven't yet read it, but you put a, a story up that's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of play and a lot of uh, compliments on Mel Kuyper and and how ESPN kind of. Uh, really remade the draft you just want to plug that for everybody that's listening if they're looking for something to read before the draft tonight
0: yeah sure I, I lived in St. Louis for a while and I used to listen to Joel Buxbaum with uh, Pro Football Weekly the late Buxbaum he died in, in late late 2002 and I worked with him briefly uh, at, at Pro Football Weekly and I used to transcribe his notes and you know I barely used computers he had this thick Brooklyn accent and so Joel and Mel to me were the original draft mix. I mean, they helped make this craze what it is today. So I was always wanting to do that story and I've been kind of piecing it together for a while. And they were so different. You know, Mel was the TV guy. Joel was a shut in who, you know, never left the house and didn't take care of himself. And they're just such fascinating different people. And yet they were so big of why we're talking about this draft now, you know, 300 days a year. It's unbelievable. So I had a lot of fun writing it. And I really do appreciate you mentioning it. And anybody who stayed up on a Sunday and listened to the KMOX and, and books Bonds radio show, I think they'll find it interesting. I had a couple of stories in there from, uh, from the good old days about Joel's uh, show and, People wonder whether he was even a real human being. That's how crazy (laughs) the the mythology around him was. So it it was pretty fun. Thank you.
1: That's great. We'll check that out and uh, enjoy the draft. Appreciate it. And in exchange for doing this, I promise I will text you when Jeremiah Tillman picks a school.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. He he may change his mind in 24 hours, so keep that in mind.
1: (laughs) All right, Eric. Have a good one, man. We'll be watching tonight. See you,
0: fellas. Thank you. All
1: right, Eric at shut uh, shutdown corner, Yahoo Sports, uh, for my money, does as good a job covering the NFL and the NFL draft as anybody out there. Plus, he's a Mizzou guy, so he always has a good background on on the guys here. Brian, are, are you a draft guy or not?
2: I used to be when I Same. had a football team, but I don't have one now, so I had, it's not that yeah. big of a deal.
1: I, I used to, like in college, we would get pizza and beer, and I would watch yeah. the entire thing when it was just Saturday, Sunday. Now that it's become this, it, it became the Chris Berman show mm-hmm. and that killed it for me. And I just, 29 of the 30 picks I don't really care about. Right. You know, I'll I'll tune in to see when the Chiefs are on the clock and I'll watch that. But other than that, I have a hard time now watching uh, watching every single pick. But as a college but football. Twitter
2: too, just makes it so right. you get, it, I mean, not just Twitter, but right. push notifications, all that stuff. I mean, you get it right on your phone. It kind of. You don't have to watch. Right, yeah, you just don't need to watch it anymore, even if you're interested in it. and You yeah. can click in there and get all the information on the kids you want, unless you just really value the opinion of uh, those guys sitting right. around the table.
1: Right, which, as of today, who knows who those guys even <laughs> are. Um, you know, I could do six podcasts on all that. But um, it, the whole – I find it fascinating because these are guys we've watched a, a lot. You mm-hmm. know, the – to To see where they're going to end up, what they're, like, I'm fascinated to find out what Deshaun Watson is in the NFL. Like, I love the guy, but, hey, there's a lot of guys I've loved who have turned out right. to be nothing, and there are a lot of first-round picks. I mean, I remember when the Chiefs picked Tom Bahali, I go, who the hell's this guy? I don't know anything about him. He's like a Chiefs Hall of Famer now.
2: Right. It is it is exciting. I mean, it's something new's coming in, and you you think you know what you're getting, but, like you said, a lot of times you don't, so it's, it's all that hope i guess that fans have of all right this is gonna be a, this is gonna be the great draft class that we have and then two years later you look back and you're like uh, yeah half of them are gone already right <laughs> at least that's how it was when you're a rams mean, fan i remember
1: don't know. what it, tony mandrich was the number right. one pick ryan leaf was the number two pick it's crazy um so jason brings-
2: smith that's the one i remember for the rams wasn't that his name the baylor offensive yes. lineman yes. good grief
1: yeah uh yeah the the, the hey Trizell Jenkins, Ethan Horton. I'm digging back into the Chiefs' archives here for for big time bust. But uh,
2: Eric you, Fisher, so, do you guys what do you think of him now? Is he still a bust or? you don't? Draft, He's serviceable.
1: You don't draft right tackles who <laughs> lose you playoff games on holding penalties. Number one overall. Let's not talk about that at all and go vomit. Um, <laughs> but it, bringing it back to Missouri, uh, I Charles Harris. Look, I, I don't know what to think. I, I mean, yeah. I like, to me, you – and it's just what an NFL team needs. Charles Harris, to me, is the perfect guy for a team who thinks they're one player away from the playoffs or one player away from the Super Bowl, and what they need is a guy to put in on third down as an outside mm-hmm. linebacker to go hit the quarterback and do nothing else for one year, maybe right. two years. That's what Shane Ray was in Denver. We need a guy on third down to put on the field – in a couple years when DeMarcus Ware leaves, we want him to be the guy. But right. he's not the guy yet. That's what—that's uh, the team that I think looks for Charles Harris because I think Charles is more of a complete player than he gets credit for. But I don't think he's a complete player yet that you put out there three downs and expect to go up against NFL left or right tackles against running play.
2: Right. I mean, he, him and Shane Ray aren't exactly the same player, but there are a lot of similarities between them. And I could definitely see him going into a role like that with like if he lasted the Cowboys, they're always right around the playoffs. They made it, I think, finally last year after yeah. kind of being close forever and never quite getting in. So it, it, it'll it be fun. I, I think Mizzou fans probably going to have some interest watching this last day of the draft. Seeing yeah. if any of Aaron Pinton, Sean Colkin, Josh Augusta, I think Donovan. Augusta yeah.
1: goes somewhere because people just see 340 and can't right. pass it up. I know he visited the Patriots. I think he goes late. Um, I, I think Colkin has a chance in the seventh round. The other guys, I, th- I mean, maybe somebody falls in love with Donovan Newsom's right. measurables, but... I think maybe you're looking more undrafted free agents mm-hmm. with those guys which sometimes is better than being a right cuz then
2: day. you can pick out your team and right. some, where you know you fit in a little bit better um and you get a chance so a lot of those guys stick around nowadays it seems like They're every year at, after camp there's two mm-hmm. or three undrafted free agents that make it through and that's a, it'll be it'll be probably what three or four at least that go that route I would think minimum yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and I think this is pretty telling though as to why Missouri's been where it is the last couple of years we're talking about okay they've got a first rounder and then do they have anybody else draft right I mean there have been drafts lately where four five six guys have heard their names called and that seems very unlikely at this point I mean you want to know why they've slipped in the last couple of years they're nine and fifteen watch the next three days that's right. why
2: and I honestly I don't even remember last year i they had uh...
1: The Kentrell brothers went in the fifth round. Right, but that's right. I feel like somebody else was picked. Uh, I feel like they had a second or third rounder, but, yeah, I kind of can't remember it either.
2: It'll. We talked to Eric a little bit, and I kind of thought he might not know too much about the future, but It's so it, focused on it, this it's year. It's kind of like
1: when people ask us, what's the 2020 class right. look like? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to finish 2017.
2: I figured we had him, though, so I'd at least try yeah. it out and see see what he knew. I, I could see – I kind of thought what he said about Drew Locke was – on point, though. He's the yep. kind of guy that could blow up and have a year and maybe go out early or get ready for a big senior year and then, then have a chance to get drafted.
1: And, and look, I, like right now, I think it's kind of a ridiculous thought could Drew Locke enter the NFL draft after next year? But I will say this everybody listening, you want Drew Locke to right, enter the NFL right. draft next year because if he does, that means he probably threw for 4,000 yards in Missouri 1 9 yeah, or 10 football. 30
2: touchdowns or so. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, for him to get into the point where he's an early entry NFL draft pick, he had one hell of a year. And I had this argument with people all the, we're going to have this argument next, next March, maybe with Michael Porter Jr. You know, right now, Missouri fans are like, Oh God, if we could get him for two years. No, you don't want him for two years. You want him to be so good this year that there is zero doubt. He's the number one NBA draft pick and he's going pro. Like you want guys to leave early. That means they were good. Kind of like you want your coach to have other offers because that means somebody wants him and he's done a good job.
2: I guess it's the fans just not able to have faith that the backup's going to be able to come in and and step up and take that spot, which I can kind of understand. But and, like you said, I mean, that is good PR for your program. Right. That's that's a recruiting fan, tool that kids love seeing stuff like that, knowing that you had a quarterback go early, you had a number one overall draft pick. That's something that you can you can definitely use on the recruiting trail. And
1: every fan wants Andrew Luck, Sam Bradford, Matt Leinart, who could have gone and says, man, I just love this place so much. You're going to get one more. Don't get me wrong. Like if Michael Porter's in position to be the number one pick and he says, I just love Columbia, Missouri, and I want to play here another year. Nobody at Missouri is going to bitch about that. That'd be fantastic. But my point is those are, you can find situations where that's happened, but the exception proves the rule, Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, the NFL draft uh, tonight, that's kind of the big story. I mean, Football recruiting, we'll just hit Brian. I'll let you handle football and I'll kind of handle basketball. Just where do we stand? What do we think's going to happen by the time we do the next podcast in a week
0: or two?
2: I'd be surprised if there's a commit. I mean, it's just the time of year where there's not a lot of them coming in right now. If maybe they get somebody on like they did with Hyron White last year, he came in kind of. Kind spring. of an out of state guy yeah, we don't the, know about. Came in over the spring sometime and decided it was the right place for him. Um, there are more offers going out for the 17 class there's been quite a few which makes sense because it's the evaluation period so coaches are getting out and seeing guys in per in person Um, we're going to try to track down as many of these new offers as we can just to get like an idea of where Missouri kind of stands on them Um, there was something we put on the board today a tweet about uh, Bama to Missouri Mm -hmm. I know James Foster's really working on that group of guys Um, that commitment I think it's happened since our last podcast because we, yeah. we took a little bit off. But, I mean, it's a big commitment for him. That's a guy that you can already tell he's going to be out recruiting. He's he's talking to Cameron Brown. He's talking to Cameron Babb. He's got other wide – he was reaching out to Jalen Knox, I know. Um, so that that's something that I'm sure the coaches were ecstatic when he finally decided to go ahead and pull the trigger because they, did, they started to, to extend the offers to the other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they were trying to put a ton of pressure on him, but just letting them know, like, hey, we – we got to be ready just in case, and uh, it worked out for them probably exactly how they wanted.
1: And dovetailing off that, first of all, it is going to take me at least until National Signing Day to not call him James Franklin the first time (laughs) I talk about him. Uh, But uh, some of that's going on with basketball right now, I think, too. Everybody wants to know what's going on with Jeremiah Tillman. But before we get to him, by the way, I had another person tell me last night Kevin Knox isn't coming to Missouri. Fully stand behind what I said last week. Kevin Mm -hmm. Knox is not coming to Missouri. I think he's going to go to Duke, maybe Carolina, but we'll see. Uh, but I'm confident, despite public comments, that he's not coming to Missouri. So everybody wants to know what's going on with Jeremiah Tillman. Well, you talked about the other quarterback offers. Missouri has Mamadou Diara, a former Washington signee, on campus today. My opinion is that that is a, hey, Jeremiah, we'll wait, but we ain't going to wait forever. Right. Uh, that is a, we've got to, in case. The academics aren't right mm-hmm. in case for some other reason he's not eligible, in case he chooses another school, in case he just wants to wait a month and Missouri doesn't want to wait a month, right. we got to have other guys that we're going to fill this spot. If you want it, you probably ought to take it pretty soon. So Mamadou Diara is on campus. Cassius Robertson, a, a grad transfer from Canisius, is on campus. I actually think of all the guys out there, he might be the most plug-and-play, this is what this team needs, guy on the board. I mean, they need a shooter. Mm -hmm. He's a shooter. Bring him off the bench for eight minutes a half. He gives you two threes a half, and you've gotten exactly what you need. You've stretched the defense to open things up for Michael Porter Jr., Kevin Purdier, Jordan Barnett, all that. So we'll be following that over the next couple days. I leave for Indianapolis tomorrow morning. I will be covering – Uh, Nike, EYBL, and Under Armour Basketball in Indy. I will basically be Conzo Martin's shadow for the next (laughs) three days, and uh, we'll have plenty from there. Uh, I don't know. Next week, uh, I guess we got about six days to figure out what we're going to talk about on the podcast.
2: Start talking to some signees. Maybe we've done that in the past, and it went pretty well, so we'll see.
1: Absolutely. We'll be here next week with uh, something. So (laughs) how's that for a hell of a promo? Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.